About midnight on the 14th night of the storm, as we were being driven across the Sea of Andrea, the sailors sensed land was near. They dropped a weighted line and found that the water was 120 feet deep. But a little later, they measured again and found it was only 90 feet deep. At this rate, they were afraid we would soon be driven against the rocks along the shore. So they threw out four anchors from the back of the ship and prayed for daylight. Then the sailors tried to abandon the ship, and they lowered the lifeboats as though they were going to put out anchors from the front of the ship. But Paul said to the commanding officer and the soldiers, You will all die unless the sailors stay aboard. So the soldiers cut the ropes of the lifeboat and let it drift away. Just as day was dawning, Paul urged everyone to eat. You have been so worried that you haven't touched food for two weeks, he said. Please eat something now for your own good, for not a hair of your head uh, will perish. Then he took some bread, gave thanks to God before them all, and broke off a piece and ate it. Then everyone was encouraged and began to eat. All 276 of us were on board. And after eating, the crew lightened the ship further by throwing the cargo of wheat overboard. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. To my dear friend, President Richard DeBose, and to all of the Montreat staff, and to all gathered here for worship this Sunday morning, I thank you so much for the invitation. Uh, to our office and members who traveled from Charlotte this morning, uh, I thank you all for coming up to be with me here and to my family, uh, my bride of 34 years and uh, the ones who just finished a worship service and walked in after Zoom. So I'm grateful that you are here as well. To my great nieces, to where I was practicing being a grandparent, uh, they are here. So they're like, hurry up and preach, aren't we ready to eat? So we understand uh, the intention span of those. And I was informed by my dear friend, Reverend Ann and Richard, that this was the last worship service for the summer. And it's almost like the last preseason game. You know, you're just trying to make the team. So I am grateful, grateful for the other. You didn't tell me this, but this was part of it. So bear with me as the rookie comes to the pulpit this Sunday morning. I call your attention to just one particular verse as we hear uh, the apostle giving a word to the soldiers and simply encourages them to stay on the boat for they will not perish. And with the aid of the Holy Spirit and your encouragement, I want to lift up this text this Sunday morning and if I could preach for a brief moment on this title, Stick to the Plan stay the course. Stick to the plan, stay the course. When the Andrea Gale left Gloucestershire Harbor in Massachusetts on September the 20th, 1991, and headed into the North Atlantic, no one had known that this fishing boat would never be seen again. Only a bit of debris ever turned up, and the six crew members vanished forever. 
In his book, The Perfect Storm, Arthur Sebastian Younger immortalized the fate of the Andrea Gale, and a film followed the book, but the real star of the book and the real star of the film, y'all, was not an individual, but it was the storm itself. A terrifying, relentless, oppressing, born of fierce wind and mountainous waves. No wonder meteorologists then termed this the perfect storm. Three deadly elements came together on October 1991. First, uh, there was a front moving from Canada toward New England. Secondly, a high pressure over Canada building toward the East Coast. And third and finally, a, a dying remnants of Hurricane Grace churning off the East Coast of the United States, all converging, coming together. Strong weather was coming from three of the four points of the compass, y'all, and all converging on the little Andrea Gale. On the, war, on, on the consideration that normally uh, warm air and cold air and moist air are hardly noticeable, but when wind patterns force themselves together, they can be lethal. All right, let me come get you this Sunday morning. For the book brought to us the term, The Perfect Storm. But y'all into common usages of this word, perfect storm. The concept itself is old as humanity. For people have always had to deal with the convergence of multiple rough circumstances. And so much so, things can go wrong so quickly, quickly that sometimes we've heard people say, when it rains, it pours. You see, storms, y'all, can hit every area of our life. Somebody say amen. To quote Reverend Dr. H. Beecher Hicks, he says, you are either in a storm, just coming out of a storm, or getting ready to go into a storm. You see, my friends, when a storm comes, not only do things fall apart, you too can fall apart. And the right storm, my friends, can even make you feel so broken that you don't want to go on living. Am I talking to somebody this morning? For you see, the question that, that, that I want to ask or the question that you may ask, how do I survive a storm that broke my family apart? How do I survive the storm that made my finances go to pieces? How do I survive a storm called a pandemic where people that I love have been taken away from me? Neighbors have been lost. Friends have been lost. Church members have been lost. And, 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 and those, again, that I'm close to are no longer around because of that storm of a pandemic. How do I survive the perfect storm that left my heart so broken that I don't know if I even want to keep going on? Well, let's go to the text this morning. For in the 27th chapter of Acts, Paul, a prisoner en route to Rome on a ship, is about to go and to get this, a storm. Paul, that globe trotter of the gospel, was going to Rome to stand trial before 
Caesar. And I want to give a footnote right quick because I want you to know Paul was doing everything God called him to do, but he still ran into a storm. Paul was faithful to the gospel of Jesus Christ, but still storms came knocking at his door. Paul, my friends, was fire baptized, Holy Ghost filled, but he still ran into storms. And I know you're looking at me right now saying, well, Reverend, how is it that storms can get the people of God? Let me tell you, keep on living. Because you see of the fiery preaching and the conviction that Paul preached in his sermons, uh, the word that let people know that with Christ all things are possible. Paul was arrested and accused, y'all, of starting riots among the Jews. Because of Paul's life, Paul was accused and he had to go before a trial, before a Caesar. That's why he was on this boat, my friends, the un told story is that the more you do for God, the more angry the devil becomes. The more you committed to our Savior Jesus Christ, the more hell you're going to have to face. The more challenges that you are faced with as a child of Almighty God, do know God's got your back. Let me go quickly to the text because on the 14th night of this journey, the Bible says they are traveling around the Adriatic Sea. The Adriatic Sea, that is that part, northmost part of the Mediterranean Sea, y'all, that separates uh, the Italian uh, peninsula from the Balkan Islands. And this part of the world is where Paul finds himself. It was there that the sailors sensed that they were approaching land. They feared that they were going to hit the rocks, so they dropped the anchors, four anchors, and they prayed for daylight. And you see, not only, my friends, uh, in the storm that they are facing, they are now facing a midnight situation. Come on, help me preach this Sunday. They're facing a midnight situation for uh, when they are doing the will of Almighty God, Paul finds himself in a storm at midnight. And I just want to pause there to let somebody know sometimes storms come into your life and they have the nerve to come at night. Am I talking to somebody this Sunday morning? Storms come at night when you are trying to get some rest and you can't sleep. Storms come at night when you are trying to relax but you can't sleep. Storms come at night when your guard is down and you are the most vulnerable to attack. Storms still come. And at night, my friends, we find Paul and these sailors on the ship attacked by a storm at night. At night, not only had he to contend with the opposition, but he had to deal with the storm of darkness. You see, my friends, when you are about the things of Almighty God, when the Holy Spirit is leading you into ministry, you will not only run into opposition, but you will also face some storms at night. Let me see if I can say it to you like this. When you take the Matthew 25 initiative of building congregation vitality, of dismantling structural racism and eradicating systemic poverty, friends, you're going to meet some pushback. You're going to meet some knockdowns. You're going to see some setbacks, and you're going to be in the midst of a storm. Brother Richard, when you and the staff take on the mitigating uh, 
task of building a new lodging facility here in Montreat and you got to tear down some trees and move some dirt, you're going to meet some storms. You're going to meet some folk who don't realize that you're only doing it to make the place more accessible to those who have handicapping conditions and those who want to get a good Wi-Fi. You're going to meet some storms. When you are doing the things that God calls you to do, many of you sitting on sessions, you're going to have to make decisions. Shall we let people come back for in-person worship? Shall we have bulletins? Shall we have hymn books? Shall we have, of all things, passing of the peace? You are going to meet some storms. What I'm saying, my friends, is that in Paul's case, Paul was in a storm that was caused not by himself, but by somebody else. I got a pause for the cause right there, Dr. Douglas, and say it one more time. When you are doing things, be careful, my friends, because sometimes you're going to get into a storm not caused by your decisions, but by decisions of somebody else. And I don't know who I'm talking to, but I don't want you to get confused and get enamored by your BFF, your best friend for life, because sometimes they can make decisions that can ruin your life and the life of those around you. Come on, say amen if you can. I, I can't see your face. You're hiding behind the mask, but just wink your eye, wiggle your big toe. Let me know you're with me on this Sunday morning. You see, my brothers and sisters, your decisions not only affect you, but they affect all those around you. For I've said it before, the decisions you make today determine the story you tell tomorrow. Paul warned these sailors. Thank you, Brother Chris. I got an amen. Paul warned these sailors in verses 10 and 11 saying, Men, I believe there is trouble ahead if we, if we go on shipwreck and loss of cargo and danger will be before us. But the officer in charge of the prisoners listened more to the ship's captain than he did to Paul. And my friends, because of a bad decision of the officer, the ship was now in peril. Because of the bad decision of somebody listening, not heeding the warning, there was a decision that was almost leading towards death. And just like us, my friends, oftentimes we are warned before bad things happen. Oftentimes, we see the needle moving toward E, but we keep on driving anyway. Oftentimes, we see the warning light from the battery. The battery's going down, but we keep on charging anyway. Oftentimes, we, we, we get the fever, but we don't want to take the aspirin for the fever. Oftentimes, we know our muscles are sore, but we won't sit down and soak in some Epsom salt. Everybody over 55 say amen to that. Oftentimes, we can see that our account is overdrawn, but we will never get on a budget. Warning signs come to us all the time. And in the text, we see that Paul gives a warning that you cannot go over. You, Paul gives a warning, my friends, for them to stay on the boat. In verse 22 to 25, God sent a message sent a message through the angel to make them uh, affirm that they would get through the storm if they stayed on the boat. They would get through the storm if they stayed the course. They would get through the storm if they stick to the plan. And you see, I want to give you some, 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 some shouting uh, information here because that's a promise, my friend 
that God gives us promises. If we would stay the course, if we would do what God calls us to do, we would get to our destination. That's a promise that we can hold on to. Matter of fact, do you know, my friends, there are more than 8,810 promises of God recorded in the Bible and 7,487 uh, 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 7, of those promises are from God to you and me. Let me say it again, 8,810 promises are recorded in the Bible. 7,487 of those promises are direct promises from God to you and me. And what does that mean, my friends? 85% of the promises of God are for you and me. Matter of fact, don't say anything. Just look at the person beside you and let them know they are a promise of Almighty God. Go ahead, wink at them. Let them know that you've got a promise and you've got a promise. And you, I sound like Oprah, right? Everybody's got a promise. My treat, hear what I'm saying, because the angel of the Lord still speaks promises to us in our lives. What does the Bible say? Philippians 4, 19, but my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches in glory. 2 Corinthians 12 uh, tells us this way, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. God promises us that he will never leave us nor forsake us. Jews said it this way, now unto him was able to keep you from stumbling and falling to present yourself be faultless before the presence of almighty God. Romans 8 28 says what? God has promised that all things will work together for the good of those who love God. And we've got to quote John 3 16 for it tells us that God so loved the world that God gave God's only begotten Son, and whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. The Bible is replete, my friends, with promises, and we, like those sailors, need to hold on to the promises of God. So, preacher, how do I press on? How do I stay the course? How do I stick to the plan? Well, let me give you three right quick so we can get to the Galaxy Ballroom and eat because I'm hungry like my nieces right now. Here we go. The first thing to stick to the plan and to stay the course is don't jump the ship. Okay, I'm sorry to be not as theological deep as those others. I told you I'm trying to make the team. So the best way to stay the course is don't jump the ship. You see, as soon as rough times come our way, many of us want to cut bait and, and, and leave. Many of us want to leave the, leave the meeting, leave the church, leave the group. No, y'all, you got to stay on the ship. The sailors were trying to escape on lifeboats, pretending <laughs> they were letting down acres. Come on, look at the text. Paul is saying, y'all better get back up here. Matter of fact, Paul says, I'm going to tell on you right now. And the Bible says that as Paul was trying to command them, the, the, the officers, the centurions, he was saying, unless you stay on the ship, you will not be saved. 
My friends, we, 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 we sometimes fall into the same trap of these sailors. We, we go, to the, go to church in the midst of our storm and we say, well, it ain't happening. Uh, uh, Pastor Margaret, ain't nobody preaching. Pastor Ann, ain't nobody giving me a word, so I'm going to leave the church. And then we find out that it's just as bad outside of the church as we are in the church. And the Bible helps us understand, friends, when you are going through your storm, that's not the time you leave the church. Look at my body language. That's not the time you leave the church. Because the devil knows if he can get you outside of the church, he's got you and those who will follow you. No, that's when you come back into the church. You see, we have to recognize that sometimes the Lord wants us to stick some things out. Say amen if you can. Sometimes the Lord wants us to press our way through. Sometimes the Lord wants us to push, that is, pray until something happens. Now, I'm not saying for you to stay in an abusive situation. I'm not saying for you to stay in negativity. I'm not saying for you to stay in toxicity. But I am saying that sometimes God wants you to stay until something happens happens. For the soldiers, it was safe to stay on the ship than it was in the lifeboat. We can relate to this in the church, my friends, for as I picked up from Pastor Merritt, who helped me understand this text, many times we will be in a storm, y'all, and we come to the church again looking for an answer, but there is no answer given in the church, but it's in the Word of God that we gain our strength, in the Word of God that we get power, in the Word of God that we get our stick to and our ability to stay. My treat here, what I'm saying this morning, because the devil loves for you to get off the boat, off of God's ship, out of the church and into the world. I know it's not right in the church, but the church is still a good anchor. I know the church has some problems, but I believe the problems in the church can be dealt with a whole lot better than dealing with them in the world. The sailors, though getting into smaller boats, would help themselves. Friends, no matter what goes on in your life, that small boat in the world is never as good and safe as the boat called the ship of Jesus Christ. You might as well help me preach right there. Amen if you can. I got a clock up there. They ain't serving lunch until 1145, so we got some time. <laughs> Friends, no matter how bad things get, I would rather be with God any day. Stay the course. Stick to the plan. Don't, dump, don't, don't jump ship. You will survive. Let me give you number two of three. Every preacher's got three. They only got one good one, but I'm going to give you the other two anyway. <laughs> number two, in order for you to stay the course and stick to the plan, you've got to eat and digest the word of Almighty God. Verse 18 of, 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 of this Bible passage says, Day was approaching and Paul urged the men on the ship to eat. Friends, we all know that when you are going through a storm in your life, you don't feel like eating anything. Say amen. So when people say to you, child, you're looking good. Did you lose weight? Just say thank you anyway. Don't tell them your diet plan. You see, the bonus is storms, unfortunately, are one of the best weight loss programs you can imagine, better than Jenny Craig and the YMCA. 
You see, these men, y'all, were on the ship and they did not eat for two solid weeks. Why? Because they were worried about what was going to happen to them. And Paul pleaded with them to eat so that they would get some strength and gave them the promise of assurance that not one of the hairs on their head would be lost. Verse 35 says, then he took some bread, gave thanks to God before them and broke off a piece and ate it. Paul, y'all, performed W-468 of the book of order and celebrated one of the two sacraments of the Presbyterian church. Paul, my friends, he simply lifted up bread, gave thanks to God, broke it, and had communion right there in the ship. And the Bible says all 276 of those people on the ship had communion. Paul gives us examples, y'all, of how to survive a storm. He took some bread. He had communion. He gave thanks to God in the midst of his storm. I like what he says in Colossians 3.16, for he says simply, in everything give thanks to God. Not for everything, but in everything I can give thanks to God. In everything I can thank God for waking me up. In everything I can thank God for giving me the presence of mind. In everything I can thank God for my ability to see. And I guarantee I'm looking at somebody right now who can say, Reverend, you don't really know my story but let me tell you if it's ever been taken away from you you have a praise to God for in everything you can thank God for matter of fact I just want to praise God right there for in everything God has given me another day in everything God has given me another week in everything God has given me another year and can I get some help right there from somebody who can say in everything I give God thanks the good news of the text, y'all, is that Jesus Christ is our daily bread, broken for us into pieces, and from Christ we have wholeness. Jesus is, shall we say, the word that feeds our body and our soul. Jesus is our protein shake in the morning and our vitamin in the evening. Jesus is our antioxidant and he is our gluten-free. Jesus is the sustenance and the internalized medicine of our lives. Christian friends, while you are going through, it is important that you eat and digest the word of Almighty God. You see, our problem, my friends, is that like the sailors, sometimes we are distracted when it comes to the Word. And at times, we need just as much strength in the storm as we need it when we're not in the storm. The text says when Paul ate, others got encouraged. Your diet, your digestion of the Word, your study, your meditation is contagious. And somebody just wants to know, is there anybody who believes that God can make a way out of no way? Somebody just wants to know, is there anybody who can give a testimony that God can heal, not just physically, but spiritually? Somebody wants to be encouraged. Is there anybody who can know that God can keep families together? You see, your diet will have an effect on those around you, and it will encourage those that you encounter. You see, when you eat the bread of life, you will be sustained in the storm. And number three, and finally, the finally, the last suggestion I want to give on how to stick with the plan, stay on the course, it is simply stay focused on your destination. Stay focused on your 
destination. As the sailors had eaten, the Bible says, they then lightened the load by throwing excess cargo overboard. So when daylight came and they saw land, they understood their destination. Let me see if I can help you right there. God has a destination for all of us, and many of us, we can't get there because we got too much excess cargo. We've got too much holding us down. We've got too many people who are with us but not for us as we go toward our destinations. We, as believers of the gospel, must follow suit. The text says that they lighten their load, my friends, by cutting off and taking up anchor. They lighten their load by loosening those things that will hold them down. They lighten their load so they could get to their destination. How do you stick to the plan? How do you stay the course? You got to stay focused on your destination. Let me see if I can close this with a real life story for how we got to stay the course. Two weeks ago, matter of fact, yes, it was two weeks ago, I found myself, no, it was a week ago, I think, found myself coming back from Nashville, me and my bride, y'all, and we were coming up, Richard, the old way out of Chattanooga, up on 75, and I said, I want to take the scenic route, so I took 6474, 6474, as you know, who have traveled that route, y'all, it takes you by the Tennessee River, I mean, beautiful scenery, it's amazing, y'all, and along the scenery all I could see, uh, uh, Brother Tony, were uh, these rafters, these rafters with these helmets on going down the river. And I wondered who would pay $50 to run down a river. I can drive you down the river a whole lot better than that. But all along from Tennessee all through into North Carolina, all you saw was white water rafters. And my wife had the mitigating gall to say, we want to go there. And I wanted to find a lazy river somewhere at a hotel. That's all. But anyway... We're looking at these rafters, y'all, and these rafters are going down the river. Now, we're going down the mountain, and they're coming down the river. I couldn't figure that out. How could they be going down the river this way? We're going down the mountain. That, that did not make a whole lot of sense to me. But what I learned from them is that these rafters had to stay the course. Now, of course, you know how it is, Sister Deborah. I'm always looking for a preaching illustration. I thought I had a good one until I got closer to Asheville. I'm on 74 now, y'all, coming into Asheville, trying to get on 40 East to get back to Charlotte. As I am there, the, the GPS says there is a traffic jam on 40 East. You who live around here know there's always a traffic jam on 40 East. So what did I do? Of all things, I found myself, Reverend Margaret, listening to the GPS. It says if you want to get away from this detour of traffic, you need to get off the main road and go through this community. I said, what shall we do? I, I looked at Veronica. She was uh, looking at me like, you are driving. I'm the passenger. I got other things to do with my time and my senses. So I said, let's go to the GPS. Now, recognizing you know how GPS works. GPS is a satellite, a satellite center that's high above us that has a radius of looking at things before we get to them. That's what GPS does. And I've never met the little woman in 
inside of my GPS voice, but she was talking to me, and she says, Jerry, if you want to avoid this traffic jam, I'm going to get you off the main road, but you've got to stay on the course I put you on. And I talked back to her. I says, I don't know where I'm going. This doesn't look like a safe place for me and my wife, and I got to get home to be the pastor of the C.N. Jenkins Memorial Presbyterian Church, uh, 1421 Charlotte, North Carolina, 28206. I got to get there, but somehow, some way, GPS says, get off this traffic jam and stay the course I'm putting you on. And to fast forward, y'all, I'm glad I did because the traffic we would have been in was sitting there. The traffic we would have been in was stuck. The traffic we would have been in would have delayed us. But I'm grateful and I'm faithful that I stayed the course because the course took me to none other than an Ingalls. Now, we don't have Ingalls back in Charlotte. And in Ingalls, they had this peach cobbler. I mean, the kind of peach cobbler. Matter of fact, the reason I'm preaching this day is because when Carol told me I could pick a date, I said, I'm coming on the day that the Galax uh, cafeteria is going to be serving peach cobbler. That's why I'm here. Anyway, they had this peach cobbler. And my bride says, I got some cobbler for you. And you know what? Sometimes I lost my Presbyterianism and started speaking in tongues. I said, hallelujah, thank you. Let me just see if I can help somebody who needed this word today. The God is saying that you got some storms in your life, but God is saying you need to stay the course. God is saying, I know you're going through some trials and tribulations, but I've got a plan for you, a plan that's written before you took your first breath. God is saying to some marriage, stay the course, stick to the plan. Some parenting, stay the course, stick to the plan. Some grandparenting, stay the course, stick to the plan. Some church community, God is saying, stay the course, stick to the plan. For the Bible says, as they were obedient to the Word of God, none of the 276 soldiers and prisoners lost their lives. Eternal God, we thank you for who you are and how you speak to us today. God, we thank you for helping us realize that though storms come, you are still the anchor of our lives. So God, I pray that the word that has been spoken, the affirmations given, the confessions read, will all remind us, remind us, God, of our destination. I pray, God, particularly that someone who was thinking about getting off the ship will be reminded today to stick to the plan and stay the course. In your son's name we pray, amen.